0: I guess we're back to that intro. Hold on. A as second. I was going to say, you know, it's been a month and a half, so, uh, <laughs> I don't Tasting I don't Anarchy, your there wine <laughs> podcast. Down Join Mason and Jake by. each week <laughs> as they try <laughs> new wines <laughs> and discover how much government is in your drink. There we go. We've got both intros in and, uh, yeah. <laughs> welcome to Tasting Anarchy. We've been out for a couple of weeks, um. I've been in California helping my dad out, who ha- is recovering very well from a surgery, and it was just too hectic for me to try to do a show while I was out there. So Mason and I skipped a couple of weeks, and I think we might have skipped a week before that even, but I, I think we missed, for sure. like,
1: like we missed a week, recorded, missed a week, and then you were in California.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then I was in California for two weeks, so, or two two Sundays, which is when we normally record, so... Yes, Uh, I'm out of practice, but I think we're back and hopefully we'll hit our stride again and um, have a have a good show. I'm Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by Mason Joseph and Mason. Do you have anything to review or are you sipping on anything right now? Uh, So I got an Albarino
1: from Harris Teeter. Okay, to review for the show tonight. Not remembering that we were going to go to the botanical garden and walk. So I had a glass of that and it was like very like melon and like sweet, but with like acidic kind of on the back end, but like not violently acidic. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, um, it was really tasty. Like I only had like a half a glass of that. And then I had like a, a new realm, uh, Oktoberfest. And that Oktoberfest was close, the closest to the Oktoberfest this year that I've had that I've been looking for. Cause it was like multi and biscuity and like, like substantial for, uh, like a Marzen and all okay. of the other ones that I've had. I, I
0: like the Marzen have, beers a lot.
1: Yeah, I really do too. But like all of these ones, all the ones that I've had, this year, that were specifically Oktoberfest style, have just been too weak, in my opinion. Like, just kind of blah on the flavor. Okay. And this one was pretty good. Um, but, like, because, you know, we go to the beer garden. Not often, often, but... Oh, my goodness. Yawning all of a sudden. So, excuse me. Um, like, my daughter loves going to the beer garden because she likes the fried mushrooms.
0: <laughs> so... Oh, it's really? She- that's, that's interesting. Most kids don't like mushrooms, I think.
1: That's the... Only time she likes mushrooms.
0: Interesting. Until she's
1: okay. eating other mushrooms, and then she remembers, oh yeah, these aren't bad. <laughs> like, Got it. Okay. It's just classic, classic little kid move. You know, she's five. <laughs> she's just goofy. Um, so, but like I had been having like box and stuff like that, which aren't Marzen style beers, but they're like a traditional German beer, and they were all super flavorful, malty, like caramely good and then like this year's crop of Mars and like for all the ones I tried like locally or um you know just all of them were just kind of weak I was like oh this is annoying <laughs> and then finally had that one um and you know New Realm bought like the big big brewery that used to be out here like I forget what it was was but there's like the one that was like Green Flash like they bought oh, the Green yeah. Flash facility so like they're in Atlanta in Virginia Beach so huh Is possibly brewed locally, which is, you know, kind of fun, even though it's not like a local, local beer. Because, like, here it's so weird, like, the most of the stores, it's harder to get local stuff. But, like, Mm -hmm. last night, my wife and I, like, my daughter went to the Zoo Illumination, which is, I don't know, it sounded like they were going to light up the zoo, but they did something in the parking lot, which didn't (laughs) seem like... It seemed like my parents got ripped off, possibly. But they got the got tickets it. for free, so I guess they didn't really. And they had to spend time with my daughter, which was fun. Uh, but my wife and I went to Smart Mouth and had a beer or two, and then went over to Orpax to eat. Um, so, yeah, you know, we contributed to the local beer scene again.
0: <laughs> what, what did so. you get into Orpax? You know, I, that's a Greek restaurant there in Norfolk that I like a lot. And yeah, um, and I was talking, I was telling you about this when you went that I was kind of surprised that you and I had never gone there, but you pointed out that (laughs) Greek is, is very feta heavy and I, and I went, (laughs) oh yeah, it is kind of, so it makes sense that you wouldn't really care for Greek, but what, what do you get? What do you think of it? Um,
1: so one of the things like, I'll just say this ahead of time for everybody who doesn't know me, I'm really not into Christmas. Like it's just, that's right. To me, it's a religious holiday. I don't have a problem with people who celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday, and I don't really have a problem with people who celebrate it not as a religious holiday. I just don't like all of the like pomp and circumstance that people keep trying to shove down my throat for something that I don't care that much about. Now, I have a five-year-old, so like seeing her happy about it is fun, but like they were playing... like pretty consistent, like new Christmassy music. And it wasn't like 2021 pop Christmas music. It was kind of like mid 2000. So it was bad, but it wasn't as awful as music is today. Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) Like That was kind of like wrong footed me. Uh, Their calamari was good. Um, I had the shawarma sandwich and like the fries that I got with it were warm, but the sandwich itself was like lukewarm and it was like, has a spicy cilantro sauce. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of cilantro, but it didn't really taste like cilantro and there was like no spice. And then like my wife ordered the Euro platter, but they brought the Euro sandwich and she was fine with that, but like her Euro was hot. And like that, she got the like orzo rice or orzo um, thing, and she really liked it. So it's one mm-hmm. of those things where it's like, I really like Mr. Shwarma mm-hmm. and Mr. Shwarma is like right around the corner <laughs> and not exactly, but it's close enough. Yeah, so to Mr. me, it was kind of, pretty good. Yeah. Was, so was, to me, it was like there wasn't much on the menu that I thought was like, oh, like this is really a good reason to come down here. Cause yep. it is kind of out of the way. Like we were sitting in like, you know, those like bar tables, but that are like the table itself is like almost four feet tall or more. And then the yeah. chairs, like your feet are like, maybe not for you, but like for my wife, she's like way off the ground and I'm still like a foot and a half off the ground. So like, yeah. the seats weren't uncomfortable, but they're not the most comfortable for us, you know, being on the shorter side. So it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, and a lot of the stuff on the menu is like weird reinterpretations of Italian food. And like, I know like in Greece, like, yeah, feta is very popular, but they have a lot of other food. Right. And it was like, Oh, it's this weird half Greek, half Italian restaurant. And it was kind of like, it wasn't expensive. Like for my life position, mm-hmm. But for what we were getting, to me, it was kind of expensive. So I was just kind of like, okay, like I understand why people like this. And maybe in a different situation, maybe if we were at a low table, um, that sort of thing, maybe it would have been okay. But like, we, you know, like for me, like service is a big thing. Like our waitress wasn't inattentive, but she wasn't as attentive as she could have been. And like, yeah we gave her my credit card. We were ready to leave. Like it kind of seemed like the AC came on at one point. Cause it was like almost 75 yesterday here. And, right. But like, it was kind of getting colder and like the AC kind of came on and It was just like, I'm ready to leave. And five minutes after I was really ready to leave. That's when we got my card back. So, got you know, it. it's kind of one of those things where it's like, and it was getting busier and busier while we were there. So it was just louder. And it was just kind of like, this is a cacophony of noise. I also probably had, you know, I had two 9% alcohol beers over at, um, Smart Mouth. So like, I was kind of so like, and I only drink water while we were there, which is totally fine. But I was kind of like sobering up and kind of going like, okay, I'm ready to be at my house. <laughs>
0: like, ready to not there, be. There. So in that same part, we, it, that's not technically Ghent. What is that area? Technically Chelsea, called? Chelsea there is the, uh, benchtop brewing that's over there. Mm-hmm. I think that's in yeah. that same area, right? Yes. Um, and then there is, I could be, this might actually be in, in Ghent now that I'm thinking about, it. do you remember that, that restaurant Bardo? Is that yes. in Ghent? Bardo a Ghent, is out of not business, not but it was in
1: Ghent. Yes.
0: Oh, that's a shame. I really like it's, Bardo.
1: And Bardo has been out of business, I think before you even left.
0: Oh really? It was, it was yeah. kind of overpriced, <laughs> but I did like it. Um, and we and yeah, we went like, there once in a while because they had interesting stuff. There's also yeah, like in, a there's also I think a wine garden over there. Um, there is in that same neighborhood. And I don't remember what it mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's called, but I never went there. But I wonder what I think that's it's like, like.
1: The wine garden, like I think oh, really? it has like I think it's like a goofy name like that. Yeah, there's a uh, over in Chelsea. There's Benchtop and Smart Mouth, and then there's the Birch, which is a oh yeah the Birch
0: that sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, like that's a it's a really big, like really popular uh like beer place. Like they don't brew themselves but they have like a really good rotating tap selection supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um one of my friends' cousins who was really into beer um would go there uh with his friends. And then there's like just a bunch of other stuff down there, but like it's one of those weird neighborhoods where it's like right near kind of the train yard and the shipyards, but also really expensive houses. So, yeah, but,
0: I, well, I remember liking that area a lot. Yeah, well, kind yeah, it's kind a, of interesting. It's just an interesting area. Um, it's one of and those it's all it's like one, old, like old, uh, I don't know what you call it, but like old, it's like warehouses, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, they look like kind of like run down sort of like run down, like, warehouses is the only thing that's coming to mind, but like buildings where they have like a garage door and stuff like that, but they're not really industrial. big enough to be warehouse. Yeah. yeah industrial. Yeah. That's, that's it's just
1: industrial it. spaces.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, Chelsea I is one of cool those.
1: Yeah, Chelsea is one of those like interestingly gentrified Norfolk areas. So. Yeah.
0: And Nor- Norfolk's actually a cool city. And uh, like, I, I feel like now that we've left and, or actually I probably would have enjoyed it more if I had more money because a lot of it is expensive. And yeah. now that we live here and we do go to kind of more expensive areas, I'm like, Oh, this reminds me a lot of Norfolk, but I don't think I would have been going out several times. You know, we eat out several times a week now, but when I lived in Norfolk, we didn't really eat out very often because we just didn't have any money. So, yeah.
1: And, and that's the thing is like, I think it's one of those places like Norfolk's one of those places where. yeah, it, I mean, it's just like anywhere like where you, it has its Charm. But you also have to be interested in it and yeah. like downtown, there's downtown Norfolk, there's Ghent, there's Chelsea. And then there's like everywhere else. Cause like right. everywhere else is kind of like up where I live and like, there's not really any restaurants like there are, right. but yeah. like they're kind of chain, there isn't like a really kind of, like there's Jesse's, which is fantastic Mexican food, but that's still yeah. like 10 minutes away from my house.
0: Yeah, or Captain Cap Groovy's is out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Captain Groovy's is
1: just is five minutes further away from uh, uh, Jesse's, but also like so when COVID, you know, during COVID, like we went to like basically the restaurants we went to were Jesse's Portsmouth for the Beer Garden, and then uh, yeah. Captain Groovy's. <laughs> it's basically yeah. the restaurants we went to. So yeah, yeah,
0: that's good stuff. So well, I'll, get, so I'll so go. Enough ahead and give of that review...
1: hyper local talk. Where no one but uh, maybe Billy, if he listens,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? Like everywhere, everyone
1: else lives elsewhere.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I bet you though that everybody who's listening probably has a similar. You know, for a a medium-sized American city, they probably are all very much like that. Where you have your kind of downtown area, then you have your kind of like gentrified. Even Dallas is kind of like that. Actually, is you've got you've got downtown. Uh, and then the, the, gentrified part that I think is very similar to Ghent is, um, uh, uh, deep Ellum. And then mm-hmm. you've got kind of the more uppity sec- section, which is, uh, is Uptown is, it, is just called uptown. that's where we lived when we, when we lived in Dallas was Uptown. Um, and is it that, was a little, we, that, although we kind of. That's lived where, where I side. visited you
1: at yeah Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the the part that I'm talking about is more kind of a couple streets over and up is uptown, and that's a little yeah. bit more the the party scene and and a little bit more ritzy. Where we lived was actually I think it was called Magnolia, and it's uh, more of like a, it used to be a, a power plant actually, and then they built apartments on top of it. But um, it's it's kind of more of like the newer area that mm-hmm. is though also part of uptown just because it's on that side of the freeway, but. It's sort of the same vibe that you're talking about, where it's like, even Dallas, although it's a very large city, it does have sort of this. The city itself is huge, and most of it is just kind of like the same American suburban sprawl, yeah, and or, or urban sprawl. I guess where we live now is more the suburban sprawl, but uh, and and that's kind of how most cities are. They just have a couple of cool areas. And so people who are listening, they'll probably get that same thing. There's, it's a place where the breweries are and it's a place where there's some like fancy restaurants for hipsters. And yeah. that's, that's the part of town that we're talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But like older hipsters it, weirdly yeah. at times, yeah, yeah like right. That's, that's the weird thing about like, uh, Chelsea is it's. Like you, you're really kind of outside of the neighborhood of Chelsea and like in the like industrial like just the hipster zone, like you're saying. Yeah. And then like, there's all this stuff that rings it, which is like the neighborhoods and and that sort of stuff. And then the rest is just the water. So yeah, no, that's a that's a really like kind of apt description.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's funny about it is that even like Arlington is kind of a microcosm of that exact same situation. You've got downtown Arlington which is very, very small. Um, and But there's a couple of things there. And then right outside of downtown Arlington, you've got the sort of Ghent-type area that has a couple of breweries, a couple of nice fancy kind of fancy hipster restaurants, and a couple of like interesting bars. And then the rest of it is like suburban. <laughs> so it's just kind of the same thing. I think that there's that's just the model of American cities is basically this is just the way they are. And well, I think when you I get into the small town, it's a little bit different, but
1: well, I like, I don't, I wouldn't be like, you know, I've been to Munich. I've been to like Berlin. I mean, you've been to Europe too. Mm-hmm. Like London is different than that. um, But also not in many ways. And then like, I think that's just kind of cities. I think that's yeah, just kind of how they be. are. And, and yeah. that's the thing is like, you know, like how many times where you're, you know, you, you kind of turn the corner and you're like, wait, this has been here the entire time. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, there's this whole new neighborhood to like explore and understand. That's kind of like the, um, like around ODU, which Chelsea kind of abuts, but like ODU is this kind of weird plague area. And then right. like, there's some cool neighborhoods around it in like park place and, and those sort of things. Like they're just cool neighborhoods, but like, there's nothing, and that's one of the weird things about Norfolk is, like, in Virginia Beach, like, especially like right in front of my parents' neighborhood, like, there's that strip mall that has restaurants in it, and like, yeah, there's like a Red Lobster across the street, which isn't really much, but like, there's there's restaurants pretty close by, but it, yeah. like, I always get the feeling in Norfolk, it's like there's just fast food close by, like most right. of the time.
0: Well, no, so, I remember in that in that food line. Uh, shopping center by your parents' house. That was where we used to get Chinese. Number one Chinese, yeah, crab rangoon. That was Nate's favorite, <laughs> which yeah. I always thought was disgusting because I don't like crab, but he, oh. was, he was into that crab rangoon.
1: It's basically just cream cheese and fake crabs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I, I think I do like cream cheese, but the the crab the crab to me is just ugh. like that's yeah. Although you probably are feeling that way about the cream cheese. So
1: uh, it's the thing is, like, I used to like. I used to eat crab rangoon and now like it's not that I don't like the taste. I just don't feel like I feel would feel very good after eating it.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Is, yeah.
1: It's like I'm trying to be more discerning about what I eat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, nah, nah, I don't, I don't need to put that in me. <laughs> that makes
0: sense. That makes sense. All right. Oh, well, let speaking me, get, of, let me get, uh, yeah,
1: but just real quick, speaking of yeah. kind of like a, you thing, um, I've recently been eating more sauerkraut as like my favorite as just kind of like a, a side for like the probiotic sense. Yeah. And then like, I have now just started putting sauerkraut on everything basically. (laughs) So like I should, I should
0: send you, uh, my mom made this thing that she didn't make when we were kids while I was out there with Mm -hmm. my, with my parents, uh, called sauerkraut chicken. Mm. And it's, uh, do you like hot sauerkraut?
1: I don't really know what that means. So like, it's just, it's, mean, just heated. Like it's just
0: sauerkraut heated. Oh yeah. So, I don't care. Okay. All right. So, but this, this dish I thought was very good. It was, you, it's basically, you just make a lot of heated sauerkraut with, um, shredded carrots and, uh, we put cranberries in it, but it, it calls for, it actually calls for, uh, currants, but we didn't have mm-hmm. any currants. So we put cranberries in it. And, um, I think that's it. It was just sauerkraut, shredded carrots, and currants, and then uh chicken thighs, but and then I, I can't remember what the spices were that were on the but it was it was a very German tasting dish. That sounds good. I loved it. I thought I I thought it was yeah. great. It was, and it was fast too. That that was the thing that I thought was great. And yeah, chicken's fast to cook, so um for when you, you know, you're kind of on the go if you just Cause my dad does the same thing I do. And I didn't realize, it. I don't know if he learned this from me or if I learned this from him. Cause I don't recall us eating sauerkraut when I was a kid at all, but he just keeps tons of sauerkraut around the house. <laughs> and so my mom's now got, she's like, okay, what do I have? I've got sauerkraut. I've got cranberries. I've got chicken. What do I make? I'll make sauerkraut chicken. And that was one of the dishes that we ate. And it was, I thought it was super good. I'm going to probably make it while, while we're, uh, well, we we're going to be here for a long time, but I'm probably going to make it now that I'm at home. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> Yeah. So like, uh, but yeah, so I've been, um, like, so actually made pot roast and I finally was like, what if I just put some of the sauerkraut on this? Oh, this is really good. What if I yeah. also put sriracha on it? Also Ooh. really good. And then I was okay, like, that sounds she, great. she made a egg and a ham and onion and green pepper scramble for breakfast. Okay. And I was like, "What if I put sauerkraut in sriracha on it?" It's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> also delicious. Yeah. So I was just like, I, "This is a very classic Jacob thing." I'm just gonna it eat I, sauerkraut. I, I, like, I mean, I most meals. I now. pretty
0: much like sauerkraut on everything. It, it's it's such yeah. a good addition. It gives that kind of sour flavor to it. It's also yeah. probiotic, and um, yeah, I, I it's one of my favorite things. We we get it a lot. I, I like the sauerkraut that they have at the Ukrainian store, but there's this. Um, one they have the Kroger that's mm-hmm. in a, a jar it's uh it's not it's actually not with the pickles and stuff. It's actually over where the bacon and stuff is mm-hmm. at, at least at our Kroger. I can't remember what the brand is called. They also have very good pickles actually, but it's for some reason it's in the refrigerated deli section and, yeah some uh, of it like the new sauerkraut
1: like some of it is like just made to be refrigerated. It's weird, yeah, but um uh, and it could yeah, be it could
0: be that this is made made to be refrigerated, but it, it, all, it it tastes really good. That's the kind I like to get a lot of and it's on sale quite a bit. So I usually get several jars of it and then just we keep it in the fridge and that's, and, and I'll eat it as a snack just by itself. So, yeah. And well, that's the um, thing is like, I,
1: I, my, I don't like, so I bought, like, there's this, uh, there's this guy who does like YouTube cooking and mm-hmm. he used to like cook at a Japanese restaurant. He's very interesting, like guy. And like, he had a video where he made sauerkraut and I was just like, I'm gonna buy all the stuff he's suggesting so i bought all that stuff and um just need to get some mason jar like bigger mason jars and i'm just gonna start making my own
0: sauerkraut that's a good idea i've been thinking about doing that too for as much as we eat or as much as i eat victoria doesn't really eat a lot but um and i also kind of like the sauerkraut a little bit more crispy than what they have at the grocery store yeah um so i was thinking that might be a good way to just kind of get that and then uh, well, actually, uh, this is a good segue into what I will reg- regale the audience with is my new hobby. As you know, I don't I have infinite number of hobbies, and I probably don't need a new one. Yes, but I'm taking <laughs> a new one anyways. I know. <laughs> it is sausage making. So, I got this book. It was on sale on Amazon, and it's called uh, The Complete Guide to Sausage Making, mm-hmm. and it teaches you how to like make all of the different types of cured meats. Uh, I think this would be really good for Childeburg town. I'm going to start out with the types that are not actually aged or anything like that. I'm just going to start out with like bratwurst and um, like breakfast sausages and things like that Mm -hmm. because, and the reason is because a lot of the aged ones require smoking or uh, different types of dry aging that I don't think I'm prepared for yet, but I, I think I'll get the, I'll probably get like a one of those sausage stuffing machines. I don't remember what they're called, but where you like turn the crank and it like stuffs yeah. the sausage. It's a sausage and, um, stuffing
1: machine is yeah, literally what they're what called. We'll, <laughs> that,
0: yeah, that's what we'll call it. Sa- sausage stuffing machine. So, and and then I've got all of this beef that Carr and I got, and we're probably going to get some more. So I was thinking I would just make a whole bunch of beef sausage because it's got several recipes for breakfast beef sausage in here mm-hmm. and beef bratwurst. So... I think I'm going to make a bunch of beef broth- bratwurst and beef breakfast sausages. And then uh, this will be a good skill to learn for Childeburg town. And then once we perfect making sauerkraut as well, we'll just basically open a beer garden in Childeburg town and people will come from miles around to try uh Agoura Brewings mead. We'll probably get somebody to, beer, or to brew some beers. Maybe, maybe we'll oh, get a uh, Luke. Luke, well, no, I'll bring his... back
1: the yeah, but I'll bring the brewing kit so we can poison ourselves
0: again, oh, there we go, yeah, we'll do that <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 brew some more we'll brew our own beers, you know i I've been super what's funny speaking of German stuff is you know what I've been really into lately is marzens and and regular old loggers. Yeah. I don't know if it's like I, I've gotten kind of tired of i p a s right and what? yeah, like that's the just thing, one like, of the cycle things,
1: yeah, that's the thing is like i like I had at a uh, smart mouth. I had, um, like their tripel, which is good, but it wasn't as sour as I kind of wanted it to be, but like not sour, but like that tripel kind of like bitter sour flavor. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that. And then I had their double IPA, which is good. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm much more into like stouts. Like I'm not into the traditional lager very often. Um, but like, I like stouts and, uh, like darker beers a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, and uh, I've been feeling too, is I've just, I've just felt like I just want, and and I would include, I would include stouts and porters and things like that in this as well, is I just want a regular beer. I'm not really that interested in something amazing or like different right now. I just kind of want just a regular old, I just want a regular Beer. beer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, speaking of, uh, not regular beer, but, um, the last episode of, um, Peaceful treason. Um, yeah, one of the guys was talking about like this amazing chocolate stout that he got, and um, like all that. And so I was texting with him about it, and um, he's like, "Oh, like, because my wife likes stouts a lot." And so I was like, "Oh, you know," and but she also likes porters, and that's the mm-hmm. other one I was trying to think of. Like, you know, can,
0: can I you, can I guess? Is this is sure. this person who's like a beer person normally? Because I don't think I heard this episode.
1: They're both so be normally.
0: So this wasn't this wasn't just regular old Samuel Smith chocolate sound, was it? Yeah, yes, it was. It was really okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> like, that's like the most common chocolate sound I could think of is just Samuel Smith. Great, great chocolate sound. I I will not deny that, but it's like everybody's introduction to chocolate sound.
1: <laughs> well, that's the that's the funny thing because it was like. uh like Kaj was talking about it and I was talking it up and like, like they, you know, he was, they were talking about like, it was one of those times, like I woke up at like four in the morning. So I was listening to the episode and I may have fallen asleep at part of it, but like, you know, he'd gone camping and like had one, he couldn't remember what it was called and all that. And like, you know, they were they're you know, kind of pumping, like he was pumping it up. And like, so I messaged him later and I was like, what about a uh, breakfast stout? He's like, oh, holy crap! <laughs> like that's you know, that's, kind a, of that's
0: a good one too. We've we, yeah. You and I used to drink a lot of that. Our whole yeah. group of people at the time, we would drink a lot yeah. of that breakfast out. Uh, yeah, I love it. But like, that was the thing is like, you know,
1: so we, I got, I found the a four pack, and I got it for my wife, and you know, it didn't inspire me in any way. And my wife was like, it's okay, um, but I just thought it was really funny, like they, like how pumped they were or how pumped he was about this, and then like. I tried it and I was like, and not like I'm trying to be like, oh, I'm better than anybody, but it was just like, yeah, this not that great to me, but I'm
0: glad he loves it. You know, it's like, uh, well, good I, I like there. it. So, I, I, yeah. I would say that for, and it's maybe I'll, sweet. maybe I'll, uh, it is very sweet. It, and I think yeah. that it's specifically made for the American palate. Ugh, um, yeah. I think, I think it's I think almost all of the Samuel Smith stuff we get here in the United States is made for export, but I could be make, I could be mixing that up with, uh, who is it that makes the peach lambic and the um, and the raspberry lambic and all those like lambics? was or something, something like that? that. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's it. Uh, so this company, Samuel Smith, I think they have a whole line that is for export to America, and we do have a sweeter palate, as you and I have discussed on the show. Yes. Uh, one of the things that they make that I really like, I don't know if this is made for export or not, and it probably is actually on the sweeter end is uh their tatty porter mm-hmm. do, do you remember that one i don't think i've had it but okay
1: uh we you know it's one of those ones you may have had like because for a while they were like you like back in the day back in the day when i was like really into ipas i think you were like really into porters yeah i think we yeah. like did like kind of not like an exchange because like you, you know you didn't you don't always share drinks
0: yeah um, I'm, not, I'm not really a big uh, fan of people drinking before <laughs> i'm okay with no people one drinking after me but then i won't drink yeah. again so no wonder <laughs> you never got the
1: run-up but like uh no like mm-hmm. um but yeah so like uh, you may have had one and like gave me like a sip of it or something like that and i
0: just i don't remember okay so their, their tatty porter i liked a lot they also have a uh an oatmeal stout that i think is pretty good mm-hmm. that, and that's and the one i'm a... familiar with like is yeah that like, i think that's, that's their, their beer yeah, yeah, the, the oatmeal stout I think is their standard. Like that's the one that everybody knows. And then they also have a nut brown ale that is also very good. Yeah, like uh, my wife. Those really are the likes... only ones I can recall.
1: Yeah, my wife really likes O'Connor's uh, pecan porter. So I wonder if the, the oh. nut brown would also like hit that for it.
0: Yeah, probably. You know, if, yeah. if we if we start a brewery at Childerbrook Town, we got to do pecan because it's uh, a Texas mainstay. So yeah. Uh we'll do that. All right, let, let me do my review and then let's get into the article before we wrap up sure. for the night. All right. So I've got I have a well, they were billing it as a hundred dollar caps off. Um I did not pay anywhere near that. I paid about five dollars <laughs> a bottle, actually, because thanks oh, to our Christ. listeners who uh went to our website, tastinganarchy.com, and they used our link to go to Last Bottle Wines and purchase a bottle of wine, we had credits. And so I went ahead and used all the credits and I bought four bottles of this wine that they say are normally priced at a hundred. It was reduced to, uh, I think $35. And then because I had, uh, $90 in credit, I guess it would have come out to closer to about $10 a bottle. So I got $4 or four bottles of this wine at about $10 a bottle, but you know how much I like Oakville and uh, this year I was not as familiar with, I know 2014 was a year that I thought was particularly good. And tw- 2009 was also a really great Oakville year. Um, but this was a 2018. So it's a little bit younger. It was the, uh, I'm going to probably butcher the name, but Peralum. So it's P-R-A-E-L-U-M. Pra, or Peralum. I, I think that's probably the way Praolium, to say. Prowlium? Prowlium? that could be maybe. Like, um, I think
1: you're probably closer to correct than I am.
0: Okay. Uh, this I thought was a very good wine. Um, again, Oakville, Oakville is to me one of the best places in California to get a cab sauv. Uh, this was good. I'm. I do not have enough self control to wait to drink this later because it may have been better aged, but. Uh, very good. My my wife did not think it was a hundred dollar bottle of wine, and she and we've had her and I have had hundred dollar bottles of wine together before. Uh, there there is a Groth Select from Oakville that we really liked that was definitely worth a hundred dollars. This one I would definitely say is worth thirty five for sure. Uh, I I would not pay a hundred dollars for this, which is not poo pooing it. It is a very good bottle of wine. Uh, yeah, but it's it's one of those ones where you're like.
1: Yeah, I, I you just don't see the value, like because I mean you've definitely gotten some last bottle of wines where you're like, yeah, I, yeah, I, work. Like, I I saw them coming and going. I basically ripped them off, even though they knew. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. And the, and yeah. I,
0: like, a, a good example of that is uh, Ludum, the Gaps Crown Vineyard Pinot Noir. I have gotten that from them several times, and when it came when it came back up, I bought as many as I possibly could because it was such a good Pinot Noir. Uh, one of the best ones I've ever had, Gap's Crown. If anybody can get, uh, well, the Ludum one is really good. Grap- Gap's Crown is still available, It's but it's uh, a vineyard that is now, I think, owned by somebody else. I don't remember who, but really great grapes, really good Pinot Noir. But this one in particular, uh, Oakville Oakville's is notorious for producing really good caps off. Uh, It's It's visually extremely attractive, and they always are from Oakville. It's always extremely dark. Uh, like a deep, deep red, uh, purpley color. You really can't see through it. Uh, and it, but it, you can tell that it's like red or purple because of the lining in the one in the, like the parts along the edge of the glass where you can see through it. Uh, I would definitely say it, it's definitely a luxury wine, but I don't know that it's on the hundred dollar and I, I think 35 is a good buy on it, but if it was anywhere above 50, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay that. Um, a lot of blackberry, a lot of blueberry. I'm I'm reading over my notes here. Um, good acidity, powerful tannins, very well balanced in, in that regard. So I did have another wine recently. And that kind of reminded me of why balance is important is I got this organic wine for 10 bucks actually at, uh, whole foods, which uh, great buy for 10 bucks. Uh, and I'll probably review it next episode, but it was so heavy on the acidity that Mm -hmm. it kind of, it sort of tastes you you actually might like that because it was very like a cranberry kind of flavor. So it was like a, a full cranberry fruit flavor, but it wasn't balanced. This one, it, it had all of the luxury wine qualities where it had the blackberry, the blueberry, blueberry doesn't usually come through very well if it's not balanced. Um, so it some good acidity, good tannins, um, a lot of good secondary notes, like leather, tobacco, uh, some of that kind of like chocolatey flavor. Um, you know what Anisee is? I know what Anise is, but I don't know what Anisee. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. It's like it's like uh it's like those, the licorice. Uh, yeah, it's like licorice kind of and it's yeah, it's in pho. anise. Yeah. Is it is it anise? Okay. I always say Yeah, like anise star anise. anise. Yeah. Yeah, there. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That thing. So it has kind of that flavor. That's what I wrote down. It has sort of that it's like kind of black licorice-y, but it's more like the pho flavor yeah um so really kind of an interesting bottle of wine. like I said, it's good, but I think that there was more to it that maybe would come out over time. Uh, I wish I had saved a bottle of it, but I again I don't have the self-control for that. so uh, definitely recommend it if you can get it for 35 if you see it somewhere else for for more than 50, I'd kind of s- stay clear of it. but again it is the um Perlum or perelum. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon 2018, uh, when searching this, I did actually not, I didn't see very much from this company, uh, or this producer. So I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe it's a producer that, uh, is not going to do anything else. And they were getting it from just vineyards in the area, which is pretty typical of that area is that, uh, you know, you, you get the grapes, you make something and then that's it. But, uh, if I was to recommend something to go with this. I would say probably beef, uh, lamb, um, maybe maybe heavier game meat, uh, and uh, that's really it. I mean, it was very good. I, I recommend it for 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 the price I paid. For something a little bit higher, I would kind of steer clear of it. You know, we you and I have done stuff before that are that's more expensive, and we liked it. And I would say that this is one that is a great buy for the price I paid, but uh you know be conscious of price always you can get good wines for less than less than a hundred dollars this this was not a hundred dollar wine but it was definitely a good thirty five dollar wine
1: yeah so it, it sounds like a younger brother of like peanut to me personally like the you know, blackberry it might, it, and blueberry yeah. and it kind of like but you know like because it's like it's been a while since we've had it but mm-hmm. peanut was always worth the, the flavor, but it was also that first one where we really started getting that like blueberry, it's like, wait a minute.
0: Yeah, for sure. The, the blueberry flavor is, uh, I, and I really think that, and this is something that I've been developing, I guess, in my palate a little bit is, I think the blueberry flavor comes out if it's very well balanced. Mm -hmm. Um, if it, if it is too strong, especially too strong on acidity or too strong on tannins, those those two are overpowering that makes it difficult to notice certain more subtle flavors like blueberry because blueberry Mm -hmm. is kind of, you know, when you think about it, like blueberry is not a strong flavor. It's, it's kind of, it is an interesting flavor and it's a good flavor, but it's sort of a more, it's not a very forward flavor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's It's kind of subdued. Yeah. Cause like, and and I think it's probably why there's, you know, there is blueberry jam, but the flavor you get from like blueberry jam is more sugar. Than blueberry Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe dried blueberries are a little bit more forward. But when you think of flavors that are strong flavors, they tend to be more tart flavors or more sugary flavors. Mm -hmm. Whereas like blueberries kind of more of an in-between flavor. So I I think this would be an interesting wine to have tried a couple of years from now and and we might've gotten peanut. I mean, what was the, what was the peanut that we had the first time was 2009. You think? I
1: think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or 2008. And then, I can't remember. Okay. And then wh- I'm going to look it up real quick because I'm curious now. I'm wondering what vintage is available currently for $100 from like Total Wine, for example. Yeah. Because uh, that's where we got it, I think. Okay. So there, their 2015 is currently available mm-hmm. uh, for $100 at Total Wine. Huh. Um, and this is and this is a good one. And let's see what else do they have at a higher price. Okay, for 70, actually for a lower, they have a they have Kahoot Snap uh 2015, the De that one that sounds familiar. De Amour, D apostrophe Adamore. De- uh, I'm not sure I have DMore. Okay, Diamore. Okay.
1: Is is uh, what I th- what I would
0: think. Okay, so and this is interesting. Their Oakville, their Oakville, the peanut oakville. Mm-hmm. We you know what? Maybe we'll get this to try it at Childerberg this year and, and maybe I'll grab it. Um they have an Oakville 2016, $100. Mm-hmm. It's a year bef- or two years before the one that I have currently. This would be an interesting one to try, I think, to yeah. see if we can if we can tell the difference in this. Uh, and we should probably go look back at our other episodes. And maybe I'll do this before Childeberg this year is go back and write down the notes that we had from both the other bottles that we had of it mm-hmm. and and the years and the vineyard that it's from because I think I put links and stuff in all of it. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, so we can definitely look at it. I think Oakville is one of my favorite uh, regions in Napa. And so I would be willing to get this and try it out. And actually, it looks familiar because it has the red outline on the Enyé, Whereas the uh, the other two, the Cahoots and the day amor, have uh, blue. So this looks familiar to me, but let's try it out. I, I think that'll be fun because we we're, yeah, we're not that I mean, far I mean. away from Childeberg, and we'll, we'll maybe we'll try this out and see what it's like. that will be good. And that's kind of our gold standard too is is Pina. Yes, is that's that's I think <laughs> probably the best one that we've had. Um, I would say maybe a close second is Groth, uh, and we and we had a Groth together. That fir- that I think that first Childeberg we had a Groth after we had the Pina when we got back. Or may- maybe it was Childeberg Dose that we did that.
1: I, I, don't, I don't remember. remember. Yeah. I think it was the first one.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because I think we had a couple back of the apartment. And I think yeah, the, like, was I, the yeah, one.
1: that was Yeah, that was definitely back of the apartment after the first one. Because like the second one, I basically had to wake up and get on the road at like four in the morning.
0: That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, and speaking of Childeberg, before we get into our article, and we'll make the article very quick because I know it's getting late for you. Um, all of the campsites have been reserved for Childerberg 4. Uh, we we're calling it Childerberg Veer. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, that was your your choice. You named that and we went with that. Um, the Childerberg the Veer shirts have not been made public on Twitter yet. But if you are a listener to this show, I'll let you in on a secret. You can go over to the the, uh, website right now, and you can get the Childerberg veer shirt because it is public and available for purchase. Uh, and you may get that immediately. I have all the campsites reserved. Now I have the land use permit. We're working on getting the campsites available for purchase on the Childeberg website. So keep an eye on the Twitter, keep an eye on the newsletter, which you can sign up for at childerberg.com. Uh, we will have that available for you to reserve a spot. So we're doing this year a little bit differently than we normally do. It's going to be, um, I have to look at my my price sheet, but I believe it is $25 for the weekend for a site. If you're not staying for the entire weekend, that's fine. Um, it's still $25 because I don't want the headache of trying to figure it out. Uh, but it's uh, $25 for a spot for the entire weekend you will be sharing a campsite with other people uh if you want to have an exclusive campsite with multiple people you do have to have at least six people and we will give you an exclusive campsite but it will be 25 dollars per person so just keep that in mind uh but that will be available on the website for purchase very soon um and i think that is the only Childerberg announcements that i have right now so uh anything you want to add to that did i forget anything i was gonna
1: say why don't you tell us the dates
0: Oh, that's right. Yes. So it's uh, May 29th through 30th, 2022.
1: Yes. In uh, the Mule Shoe Bend Recreational area. That's right. Area. Yeah. And then uh, I believe somebody has some pretty cool tank tops available as well on childerberg.com.
0: We do. If you go to com, you can see the, the Gomez shirts. This is something that we invented at Childeberg last year, uh, which is the Gulf of Mexico autonomous zone. So we do have some of the Gomez flag shirts. Uh, I I think I only have the first Gomez flag shirts. We do have a secondary Gomez flag shirt, which based on purchases, you'll be able to uh, vote which one becomes the official Gomez flag. Car Campit and I uh, well, Car Camp had actually came up with this with other people. I don't know. I, somehow I got co-opted into this later, but I think it's a great idea. But all of the states that are in the Gulf area, we've declared independence, according to Car and me. And we are now <laughs> developing our own culture with our own red, white, and blue flag, co-opting all of the American holidays into Gomez holidays. And uh, that's what we're doing moving forward. Uh, so join us with that and go over to com. You can pick up the tank tops for that. Great for volleyball. Great for you know, enjoying the great Gulf weather that we have here in the Gomez States and um just, you know, grab snag one. I've got a couple. I've been wearing them when I work out in my backyard gym and uh when I uh am sitting by the pool or when I'm down at the lake or something like that. They're it's great for that type of thing. Yeah. All right, you ready for the article? I am. All right. So I teased this earlier. I don't I think it was before we started recording. Because it's ridiculous, but <laughs> we live we live in a government ridiculous world. So let me ask you, Mason, before we read the article, what is Mexican food?
1: <laughs> uh, food that a Mexican person m- may choose to eat or would eat.
0: Right. <laughs> like... So so this is interesting because I never really thought about it. I do have kind of a vague idea in my mind of what Mexican food is. And I would say it's it's the – what at least what Americans would call Mexican food is the Mexican spice palate. That's what I would say makes Mexican food. It doesn't necessarily mean what is in it, but I think typical things that are in it would be, you know, avocado, um, I mean that would be a very very typical thing. Maybe lime, uh, the cheese cilantro, cumin, yeah. cilantro. The the type of cheeses that they eat down there. It's sort of the Mexican spice palette, plus these sort of typical Mexican olives. I think olives would be would pretty be you know pretty prominent.
1: Because um, hmm. that's uh, the thing is like I know in a lot but, of American Mexican food, people put olives. Yeah. But I don't know of many Mexican dishes that, like at Jesse's, I don't know of any dish that has olives in it.
0: Really? Okay. So yeah. Maybe maybe that's not authentic. Maybe that's just kind of like the American mind of what an, a, a Mexican thing is. Maybe. But currently, in we may we may actually get a legal decision on what Mexican food is here because currently uh, there is a a restaurant called um, Cafe Rio Mexican Grill in Nevada that is suing their shopping center because their lease says that they have exclusive right to serve Mexican or Tex-Mex food. Mm -hmm. But there is another restaurant called, um, uh, let me find the name of it. I think it's called like Chop Something. Um, chop. It's called Chop Stop. So it's a, it's a salad chain called Chop Stop, and Chop Stop sells a salad that is called Santa Fe salad that they are saying is Mexican or Tex Mex, Mex, and violates their lease. So which is interesting. So I'll read to you what is, and you tell me if this sounds Mexican to you, or if this sounds like Tex-Mex or uh, an American style of it. So uh, the, the, so this is actually, it's called, so chop stops. I'll read, I'll read to you what the article says. It says chop stops item in question, a Viva Mexico chop salad served with ingredients like jalapenos, black beans, tortilla strips, a creamy chipotle dressing, um, and a Santa Fe, which okay, so this is two salads, I guess, and a Santa Fe which features avocados, roast corn, a cilantro lime dressing, as well as uh, a group of products called choperitos, cho- which are salads served on uh, served on a base of cilantro lime rice seasoned with black or white beans. So it's several items, I guess, that they're selling that are all quote-unquote Mexican dishes. And so the Cafe Rio Mexican Grill says this is a violation of their lease, that this restaurant, which is a chain restaurant, is serving these supposedly Mexican dishes. Now, this is the interesting thing, is that what would you think the response from Chopstops would be? Based on this lawsuit,
1: so the my first question would be: Is why is Chop Stop itself being being questioned in that regard?
0: I guess because they are there. It may be it, it's not really clear in the article, but it, they are somehow involved in the suit. But the suit is against the people leasing, yeah, the cafe Mex, yeah, Cafe Re, uh, Rio Mexico. But I guess ChopStop is is here being called well, they to mean, task because they of cultural appropriation. I think is the real reason. But okay, uh, well it, that, it also that may seems be that, the, that seems to be what the article is saying.
1: Well, it also maybe ChopStop is like being asked to provide discovery on oh, that could be. Yeah. what these items are. Like, would you say these are Mexican inspired salads, right? Um. I don't know I'm, I'm I'm betting it's some sort of bizarre legalese but I think you kind of maybe let the cat out of the bag a little bit by saying that <laughs> there's some sort of cultural appropriation thing going yeah. on
0: well that doesn't seem to be exactly what they're uh what they're arguing is basically uh chopstop is saying it's not Mexican food they're just saying it's and they're saying it's not tex-mex either it is their own take on this style of food but it is not Mexican food and it is not Tex-Mex. And they're saying that Tex-Mex and Mexican food is its own thing. We're sort of using this sort of language, but it we're not claiming that that's what this is in any of our advertisement and therefore we're you are your lease or I guess the the landlord is saying no, they're saying this is not Tex-Mex or Mexican, therefore we are not in violation of the lease and the chop stop is supporting that by basically saying we didn't say it's Mexican. We didn't say it's Tex-Mex. This is just what we're, what we're giving. This is our take on this type of food. We're not saying that it's one way or the other. Now this is in Nevada. It's going to be heard between uh, be. it's going to be heard before the eighth judicial district court. And um, they are going to, I guess, rule on whether or not. So, It seems like they're coming down to something very, very narrow, which to me sounds very bizarre, but I'll quote the article and it says that, um, so it says Nevada's eighth judicial district court judge, Mark R. Denton will reportedly be tasked, uh, with deciding whether a salad with, with some jalapenos should legally be considered Mexican food. This to me sounds ludicrous. (laughs) how can you determine something with jalapenos is specifically Mexican or Tex-Mex? Well, is jalapeno. Like, I I mean, I'm, maybe I'm crazy here, but like, I know that it's not called jalapenos in Hungary, but Hungarian food features Hungarian black peppers, which are genetically almost identical to jalapenos. They're, they're basically the same peppers. How, how, can you make a decision legally whether putting jalapenos in a dish makes it Mexican or not? That, like to me, that's bizarre.
1: <laughs> well, so my first question would be for what you were saying, like the Hungarian black pepper. Yeah. Like as far as I knew, all the peppers were new world.
0: They are. Items. Yes. They, yeah. they are all new world items. Yes.
1: So like the Hungarian pepper, like that's not relevant because like, the mex like i understand your point but like the new world cuisine that would feature jalapenos is mexican but like you know like they could like you know it's kind of like what's well, colombian food right you know if like if you've ever been to a colombian restaurant it's a lot like mexican food it, there's clearly yeah. differences but like that's one of the things is like i thought one of those items was basically called like viva la mexico like right, one of the salads like had Mexico in the name. It, 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 well,
0: it's called no, it's called Santa Fe, and then the other one is called. uh Oh, actually, yeah, one of it, one of them is called it's Viva Mexico Chop Salad. Yes, yeah. So <laughs> you're
1: right. Like, and and this is one of those things. It's like, well, this is our interpretation. Your interpretation of what? Right. Yeah. Mexican flavors.
0: Well, let, flavors let me read you from
1: an indi- indigenous culture, yeah. like.
0: Right. But, but also what, what is Mexican food? Cause that's kind of one of those things too, is, and I've discovered this since being down in Texas and I, and I probably intuit, I kind of knew it intuitively before I moved down here, but there is a huge difference between like Sonora style Mexican food and Mexico city style Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Like they're just very different foods. I mean, it's and, the
1: thing I argue with my wife about all the time. Like she's always like, oh, the Mexican food here isn't Mexican food, like in Norfolk. It's like, except for Jesse's. I'm like, no. It's all yeah. Mexican food. The difference is, it's not the Mexican food you're used to. Like, right.
0: And that, that was Guadalajara actually- Guadalajara really-
1: has a completely different style.
0: Yes. And and one of the things that uh, I was out, actually when I was out in San Diego, and uh, Q the Abolitionist, shout out to Q the Abolitionist on Twitter, we went to, it was called uh, Taco El Gordo, uh, which I believe means the fat taco. I believe in- so in English. Super, super good. Very different than Mexican food that I'm typically used to. It was, I I ordered, I mean, it was, it was like street tacos and street, um, uh, I had like a street quesadilla, which didn't have grated cheese. It had sliced cheese on it, which was a little bit unusual. And um, and then I also had, um, tostadas, which I rarely is tostadas available at a Mexican restaurant here, which is um, interesting to me, but also their tostadas were a, a, uh, soft corn tortilla with a crunchy torn corn tortilla on top, like a sandwich kind of. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was now granted it's, it's, it's very, very authentic Mexican food. This restaurant is Tijuana. They were doing really well selling to the gringos. And so they moved up to San Diego because that's where all the customer base was, but, uh, really good, good food. Uh, yeah you know, really shout out to Q because I don't, I mean, maybe this is a mainstay in San Diego and I just don't know about it, but it was super good. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like I'll have to like reach out to
1: my cousins um, who live in, you know, live in uh, are all are in the, all in that area. Um yeah, yeah. And my aunts and un- my aunt and uncle and see if they, if they go there. Um, I'm sure they've got some, you know, they, they always have some really interesting places yeah. every time we've been out with them. Um but so this is one of those things where it's like, it's a ridiculous concept, but like Starbucks does this all the time where like mm-hmm. they can be the only drink proprietor, like right. as a primary focus. And they'll do that in their leases um, yeah, if they can in a shopping center. And they've also like done it where like they'll make it as a part of a condition of re-upping their lease later. So like, yeah. you know, you've had Jacob's, you know, way juice concentrate store, which doesn't compete with Starbucks at all, but you're a juice, uh, like a liquid provider and like they'll go against it. So, but I think this is one of those things that's very interesting because this is the sort of thing that you would find in like a libertarian world and an anarchist world for like arbitration, because that's the sort of thing you might put in your lease is. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's where you also kind of get that thing where it's like, you know, it's like, why would you, the leasee, the person leasing the property, put such a vague term or insist on such a vague term in your lease, given that you may have to one day defend it? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Oh yeah. This leaves a lot for room for interpretation. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So we're just going to assume we're richer than the other people that we're trying to sue. Right. Like, you know, like I, you know, I understand like, I've, I forget what I was listening to. Like a, it's like, you know, like a Cernovich podcast or something like that, where people were talking about how basically since you can do like lawyers, not on retainer, but like, a like a proceeds of your winning, it's basically mm-hmm. like destroyed the judicial system in the United States. And like, I agree with some concepts of that, but I also disagree with some concepts of that. But like, that's the thing is like, this is the sort of thing that would happen all the time. and does happen all the time. in like private arbitration It's like, what the hell does this actually mean?
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: how well, let me, to, let me like, read,
0: let me read the last two uh, paragraphs from this article. Cause I think sure. this is kind of, it's just interesting the way that yeah. they, that the, the arguments being made, but there, there was several things that you brought up that I didn't think about. Like, I don't know why chop stop is in, is involved in this because it seems like the lease, the company, the the landlord is the one being sued and this is in Vegas. So I don't know what this shopping center is like. It could be more complicated than what it appears from the article because, you know, if it's in Vegas, you know, sometimes those are, these very complicated shopping centers inside of a casino or something like that. And mm, that may be. be, you know, maybe it may be more complicated than we're gleaning from the article, but mm-hmm. let me go ahead and read these last two, uh, these last two uh, paragraphs here. So it says, as for chop shop, the times obtained the chain's legal filing in the matter and uncovered some of their arguments for not serving quote Mexican food for one chop stop reportedly states that a that quote a taco salad has either a corn or flour tortilla base which the viva mexican salad does not have okay uh another claim santa fe is a town in new mexico and not a town in mexico or texas so that that, this is me editorializing here that's end quote uh Interesting argument because yes, you're, they're right. Santa Fe is not a town. And I, I mean, there may be a Santa Fe in Mexico and there may be a Santa Fe in Texas, but th- th- not the one that they're talking about. Uh, and most the likely, last paragraph, yeah. okay, go ahead. I was saying most likely. Yeah.
1: No, was, yeah. I was just agreeing with your, your
0: point. Oh yeah. Okay. So then the last paragraph quote, it doesn't appear to me that merely uttering the name Choparito. Uh, that somehow automatically results in some type of conclusion uh, Edelman, which is the one of the lawyers told the paper but then he added what makes us what makes us the as a landlord somehow an expert on this meaning how how is it as a landlord how are we supposed to determine what our leasees are making and whether or not it cons- constitutes Mexican food or not Mexican food? And I think that's kind of an interesting question. So, I mean, the, the lawsuit to me seems ludicrous because one place is a Mexican cafe. The other one is a salad restaurant. To me, those are very separate things. However, I do kind of understand the uh, the um, Cafe Rio Mexican Grill. I do sort of understand where they're like, we want to be the exclusive Mexican restaurant. Like that, I do kind of understand that 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 does sort of make sense cuz i mean think about it like uh across actually again up the street from your parents house that shopping center with the well i guess there's not a farm fresh there anymore but the one that we used to go to after we would be done at kelly's mm-hmm. we'd go get uh, purple haze or whatever over there at that farm fresh and there's yeah. the there's the other kelly's that was that used to be in that shopping center i don't know if it still is there is uh, yeah. and, and then in in the opposite corner from that was the um, El Tapatio or not El Tapatio. um, What was that Mexican restaurant right there? They're also Plaza Azteca. Azteca, That's right. Yeah. So like how would Plaza Azteca feel if they were like, okay, we're going to go and open a a Mexican restaurant here in this shopping center. And then Kelly's closed and opened back up as El Tapatio. You know, now, now you've got two Mexican restaurants in the same shopping center. It's kind of like, well, yeah, that I, I do see that being sort of an issue, uh, at least for well, it, the like, people who own it.
1: Well, this is like – so this is one of those things where – what drives me nuts about like you sign a contract and then go like, well, who is it for us to decide what's Mexican? Right. But they signed it. Your contract with yeah. this other company that said right. – no other Mexican establishments. Exactly. Or, and that's the thing is like the question, like my question would be is like, did there, was there lease vague where it said no other Mexican or Tex-Mex style restaurants, meaning like, okay, you go in there and it's like, you know, they're all wearing Lederhosen and like, you know, they've got beer steins on the wall and then they have like a Santa Fe and Viva La Mexico salad like just two salads and it's like a German restaurant. And you're like, what?
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, well, according to the article, the, the, the lease specifically says that in this shopping center or in this shopping plaza, it is not allowed to have any other restaurants that serve quote Mexican or Tex-Mex food. Mm -hmm. So I, I would see that as saying, okay, if it is determined that these items are either Mexican or Tex-Mex and, and as you pointed out, one of them is called Mexican, it's called Viva Mexico, um, that they would just not be allowed to serve that item.
1: Yeah. But like, that's kind kind of a weird thing. thing. Yeah.
0: So like that,
1: that that's to me, one of those things where it's like, like, this is a situation where you could have avoided it by, defining your lease terms better, like defining these terms better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But also, you know, like I, I go to you and I'm like, Hey Jacob, I want to open up Mason's wonderful salad fancyville here. And I go, okay, do you have any Mexican items on the menu? And I go, no. And then I open up, you know, Mason's fancy salad place or whatever. And then I do the Santa Fe and I do like the Viva La Mexico and I do a taco salad, right. you know, and then it's like, well, do you come shut me down and lock me out of the restaurant? Like, do you, are you suddenly like, let's say that, you know, I go opening day or you go on opening day and I don't have any of those items on the menu, but I'm <laughs> willing to make them. Right. Like, and then so I'm making and I'm like, this is my Mexican salad or Mm -hmm. like, you know, you come in and you're like, hey, I need to see your menu. I'm like, here you go. And you're like, okay you don't have any Mexican items on it. I'm like, no, I don't. And you leave and I'm like, why don't I have any Mexican salads? And then I spend the next nine months developing a Mexican salad. Right. Because I'm an idiot (laughs) because, you know, I just couldn't look it up online and be like, I'll just make that. and then 9 months later i put it on the menu like how like how frequently are you supposed to come in and police that so this is just one of those things that's like you know the like not my complaint but like the self like uh, like ethereum self like uh, like bitcoin and things like that where you're always like have the self settling contracts and i'm like they have like third parties that already do this mm-hmm. and you're like yeah but we could just do it automatically I'm like, right. I don't really have an argument against that. But I also like, you know, I work for a boutique business that puts customer service first. So mm-hmm. like I can see having a third party being the settler when you want them to be because you can have a much more pleasant experience. Yeah. Whereas yeah, like you definitely in the programming sense, it's like, yeah, just cut out the middle man and just programmatically yeah. have it done. It's like, yeah that's a fair response. So yeah, that's kind of the thing is like, this is just like, not only is it stupid that the government has to get involved. Yeah. But it's stupid that like businesses would put themselves into this situation. So oh, like,
0: let, let me add in some more stupidness to this. Uh, sure. I was curious to see if there was one of these places uh, near us. Cause I, I I actually really like going to salad restaurants like as lazy as it is. I I don't like making my own salad and I do like salad a lot. Um, So we actually go to this place down the street from us called Salata all the time Um, or or I order from them all the time. I don't know if we, we don't really go for it. We usually just take it to go, but uh, so there is one of these not too far away and I'm looking at this and they do have the very, very first item when you go to salads on their menu is the Santa Fe chop salad. The, and then the third item is Viva Mexico chop Salad. Mm hmm. The other one that was uh, mentioned in the article, which is called the um, Chuparito. Mm hmm. Let me read you the entire name of this and you tell me if you this sounds to you like it's a Mexican item. Italian garlic Chuparito. <laughs> They do have they do have a chuparito classic though, uh, so that's that's probably the one that they're complaining about is a chuparito classic. I wonder if they change anything the with a, a
1: Mexican name, chuparito. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, chuparito sounds very it. Mexican, but I guess it yeah. it could be Italian. I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, nah,
0: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what's in it. It's uh, in the chuparito classic. It is cheddar cheese, tortilla, red onions, bell peppers, double roasted chicken. Uh, and it looks like, um, there might be feta in it, but I can't really, that might be a type of, that might be just chicken, but it looks weird in Uh the picture. And then in the Italian garlic chuparito, it is roasted garlic, uh, pepperoncinis, Parmesan cheese, tomato, croutons, and roasted chicken. Actually, that one sounds pretty good. Um, actually pretty much everything on their menu to me looks really good cause I do like chopped salad a lot, but, mm-hmm. uh, the Santa Fe one, it's got avocado, tortilla strips, roasted corn, black beans, uh, pepper Jack cheese, which is, I don't think pepper Jack cheese is Mexican. I think that's an American thing. Um maybe. And then roasted chicken. That would not be on my top priority list cause I'm not crazy about pepper Jack and I'm not crazy about avocados. I was about to say, uh, I thought you weren't, you thought avocado, but yeah yeah and then um viva mexico chop is is jalapenos which i've i actually like a lot more than i used to Mm -hmm. uh tortillas tomatoes black beans cheddar cheese and roast chicken so interesting i'll tell you if like just looking at this menu though i wouldn't go for any of the mexican style dishes i would probably go for this uh cob salad that they have here or for sure, almost I would go for this Asian chop because I really like Asian t- salads. That's got, uh, edamame, uh, which I probably shouldn't eat because from my, my understanding is soy is, uh, estrogenic, uh, crisp, crispy wontons, cucumber, carrots, double roast chicken, and sesame teriyaki sauce. That's, that sounds like the salad for me. Yeah. So it does, we may end up going this week up to, uh, up, it, chop it's chops. actually the, yeah chop stop because it's uh the other uh, the closest one is all the way in frisco so it's like a 45 minute drive to go to this one but i do but like just reading their salads i'm like mm, that actually sounds pretty good i might try to go there
1: <laughs> well on on that note on your ridiculous drive for chop salad
0: <laughs> this has been tasting anarchy <laughs> all
1: right Hi, everybody. Stay free. Stay free. (laughs) (laughs)